0: Come. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It helps get the show out there. Share this with with your friends wherever you found it. Whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere we find fine podcast content. You can find Kyle and myself. Feel free to connect with us on social media at Longhorn Pod on Twitter. You can follow us on Facebook, Longhorn Republic, where we do our post-game live streams. Every game week won't be one this week because, well, there's not a game this week. There may not be one next week. That's a whole other conversation. Uh, you can also uh, shoot us an email, Pod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge, I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who can only think of six places to go in Waco. Kyle Carpenter, Kyle, how are you? Uh, <laughs>
1: uh, there there may only be six places in Waco, uh, but apparently that's why social distancing is hard. <laughs> yeah, apparently, all uh, all six are just rife rife with with the COVID. Um, I will say this, right? I told you, my I've said this many times in the podcast, my wife a Baylor Bear. Um, I had very low opinions and expectations of Waco. The times I had spent there were mostly the, the items or gas stations I could stop and obtain off of the interstate and quickly get back in my car and go. However, she did take me to the one. Nice part of Waco and clearly This is not where people are going because they have a nice park Called Cameron Park it's actually pretty If you go in football season in the fall it's kind of nice uh, To look at basically the stadium On the river and the park are the only two nice Parts of Waco and apparently The people aren't going spreading out Getting a little fresh air in the park instead they're probably uh, Battling between the Quiznos Or the uh, I don't know what, Let's see is there a Chick-fil-A maybe they got a Chick-fil-A There now who knows it's Waco Is there
0: still that Fazoli's near campus it's probably been 30, 20 years since I've been there.
1: That Fazoli's is still there, and they still, is, is, as I understand it, give you the breadsticks. while I don't know what the COVID procedures are, but the best part of that was obviously getting the breadsticks while you waited in line to order your food, which is how America should run. That's capitalism, baby. That's fat America, baby. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's there, or at least pre-COVID. I have not been or heard, um, but as of six months ago, it was.
0: Good, good to know. I ate my body weight in breadsticks when my sister was uh, My sister is a Baylor grad, so I definitely uh, ate way too much there. It's totally fine. Uh, but we're not here to talk about breadsticks, even though we probably could uh, on our new podcast, sticking it to you. Uh, we are <laughs> here to talk about the rest of the season. We are at the we, we've completed the first. Portion of the season. So 40% of the season is gone. Not, not quite 50%, but we'll call it 40% of the season is gone. Texas has split two and two big win over UTEP uh, come from behind win over Texas Tech. And then a couple of should have win come from ahead of, uh, losses at the hands of TCU and O. So Texas has six games left on the schedule. Theoretically, we'll talk about this first one in just a minute, but what we want to do is want to take a minute and kind of just look at like what the rest of the season potentially could play out like, because there's a lot riding on this, not just Texas and their ability to finish, but conversations about coaches, job security and, and recruiting classes and those types of things are hinging on these final six games. So first up potentially are the Baylor Bears. Who have only played two games this season? They're one and one. Uh, Their win is against Kansas. Uh, They had an opener that was postponed or an early season game against Houston, I believe. That did not happen because of the COVID. And now they and Louisiana
1: Tech, La Tech, as well.
0: La Tech as well. Um, Then Oklahoma State game is being pushed back to December because of COVID cancellations. So. I don't know if this game is going to happen like we could talk about it, but uh, according to Twitter reports, there are 28 players with active COVID cases currently uh, an additional 14 staff members and contact tracing is knocking out significantly more players as well, which we can again talk about the validity of whether or not contact tracing in this context with rapid testing is needed, but a whole other conversation for another day. Baylor's not look like a good football team, and they're going to have been off for at least two weeks, if not three, heading into a Texas game.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, Baylor loves to beat texas it's like they like many of the teams on our schedule they very very much view it as like if this and tcu are their two biggest games and their, their biggest rivalry so um they care a lot but I, I don't know that that matters even if there wasn't COVID, i, I don't think this is a particularly good baylor team and i actually i think in our our if you go back to our preseason they were like my one team that i don't know what to say matt rule i think left because he knew his stock wouldn't get any higher and he was having a major come down before everything COVID. Um, And Charlie Brewer hasn't looked, he looks like maybe a guy that Texas wouldn't offer um, in, in his two games so far. Um, But yeah, I mean, I I think this is a team that Texas should, but after the last two weeks, obviously we're not going to say will, but should um, if this game is played, go forward and and, and feel comfortable with. But yeah, I mean, look, look, If this game gets rescheduled, because I think their their Oklahoma State game from this past week, they got rescheduled in in December, November, got pushed back to the end of the year. I I don't know if Baylor still has slots, right, if they can keep rescheduling or or if it gets – I don't know how this works, right? Guys, we don't have the intel. um, We don't have uncharted uh, access to, to, you know – what if matrix matrices um, that, that that you don't have. So we're kind of operating on uncharted waters and, and don't exactly know what's going to happen. But Gerald, I mean, like I said, if it, if it does, I think coach Dave Aranda, who's good friends with Tom Herman, they're going to try to make this work. Um, I think they, um, you know, want to, want to get this one played. And I think for Texas, if this does happen after, like you said, especially with Baylor um, reeling from a super spreader event, <laughs> um, I, I I think, I think there's going to be a lot of frustration from a Texas team and Baylor to me feels like let's rewind and act like it's like, you know, 1997 uh, or or any time really before and just should be a a team to 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 take your frustrations out upon this season.
0: Yeah, like I said, Baylor has not looked like a good football team. If the game happens, Texas will have had a free week, right? and Mm -hmm. they should be able to rip. If this game doesn't happen, Texas is finally going to get the reps that I think they need to get back on track because really a lot of this is just simple execution stuff that I think if they had a spring, you would have knocked out in the first couple of games. But they didn't have a spring. There was like a full basically like what? Like a year between (laughs) – basically a year between games, right? Nine months between games. So like –
1: Between meaningful football. Yeah.
0: Yeah, between football games. So, like, the simple fact that they still need repetitions is a whole other conversation. But, hopefully, if this game happens, I think Texas has an opportunity to exercise some demons. Uh, But if this game doesn't happen, then I think Texas gets a really good opportunity heading into probably... The toughest, one of the two toughest games left on their schedule. Maybe the the three. There's there's three games that I've got circled on this schedule, um, and that's Oklahoma State is the is the next one after that. They miss a game due to Baylor's COVID stuff again. It's gotten that game has been postponed. But Oklahoma State has a ton of talent, but they've seemed a little they've seemed a little okay. I'll just go ahead and say it. they squeaked by uh, Tulsa to start the season. A lot of the hype around them is by beating up on teams that I don't think are very good, which Kansas, I know I can confirm Kansas, not good, but West Virginia, I also think is a team that's probably not that great. And Oklahoma state beat them by two scores, but West Virginia squeaked by Baylor, who I I don't, I still don't think is a very good football team. So like, Oklahoma State is a massive enigma to me, Kyle.
1: Yeah, so transitive properties are super tough this year, right? Like, you know, Tack Houston Baptist, right? Like, it's 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 so hard to draw things off small sample sizes, and, and if any year that was like, uh, you know, a, a a pseudoscience, right? It's this year. I think it's like Indian matchmaking, that woman who tries to read the compatibility of couples by looking at their faces and saying if they're good or not. Um, it's it's sham science. Sorry, I know. Hot take. Um It's hard to say, right? But I think what I feel comfortable with is that Oklahoma State was expected to be one of three really elite teams in the conference this season. We thought OU, Texas, and Okie State would be that. Again, taking the COVID coefficient that everyone's kind of garbage this year. um, Even Alabama last week struggled to beat Lane Kiffin's Ole Miss, right? Um, Everyone's a little bit garbage. Like Take that and and set it aside. OU obviously not elite this season. Texas obviously, unfortunately, not elite as it stands right now. I don't I think that applies all the way across the board. I don't think Oklahoma State is elite in a way that they're gonna line up against Georgia, Alabama, Clemson in a playoff and and, and very quickly, you know, see that they, they're peers, right? And and should be on the same level. I, I think they are the Pyrite Cowboys and it is fool's gold um this season that they are leading in a 3-0 fashion obviously like you said beating um KU and beating uh West Virginia who who again is probably propped up a little better than than they they might be in reality um and then Tulsa who again that that was a 9-point win but it was really six the fact that Oklahoma State kicked a late last second meaningless field goal um to make it nine should tell you everything you need to know they trailed um coming into the fourth quarter. They they were down with only three points scored. Um, so, I mean, Oklahoma State, again, it's, it's their first game, so th- there are some caveats that you give them. But I think they are going to be good, and they are probably our toughest game left, and, and I say almost undoubtedly our toughest game left. But – it's not as though it's unwinnable with an imperfect Texas team because even though that's a perfect record, I think Oklahoma State has also shown some shades of imperfection.
0: I won't put it oh, oh, I won't put it past Texas to win this game, but sure. I also won't put, put it past Texas to lose this game in embarrassing fashion. Sure. It's Mike Gundy and Mike Gundy has them up, and again, I have it on really good authority that part of Mike Gundy's pregame speech is like Texas didn't recruit you, so go ahead and prove them wrong. Like I have that on on good authority that that's part of it. So like I don't think Oklahoma State is good enough to win the. Conference in a normal year, like this team, right. if you put them in a normal year, I don't think they're good enough. But this year is so weird right. that this could be. And again, Texas should be the one that's that's taking advantage of this and using this as the door to step through. But I think I don't know if Oklahoma State has the goods to get past Iowa State, Kansas State, and even OU in a, in a game that normally you know Gundy just can't win. So West Virginia is another one that I just I can't figure out. Um, they opened the season with a. 56-0 win over Eastern Kentucky is what you're supposed to do. Uh, but then they lost to the aforementioned Oklahoma State Cowboys and then squeaked past Baylor 27-21 to in a double overtime win. And again, Baylor is not a team that I'm super fond of this year. So, like, West Virginia, there are questions there for me. Mm-hmm. There are questions with West Virginia are they consistent are they good or have they just played not good teams like that's really again another one I'm like two in, is two and one really an accurate record for them
1: yeah so look right you you um we're going to go into each of these games just so everyone's familiar with this exercise. We're, we'll break down the strengths, weaknesses, specifics. So we're going to give you more in depth when we get closer to each of these as we do every week. So this is just the high level 10,000 kind of foot view. And what I'll say is if you want to give West Virginia a lot of credit for beating Eastern Kentucky 56 to zero, then, then you also are saying, Whoa, this is so weird that Texas has lost these two games because they beat UTEP by a lot. And that's the most important game, right? Eastern Kentucky lost to Marshall the week before 59 to zero. So, West Virginia is not even um, the best team in West Virginia. If you use Eastern Kentucky as the, uh, as the metric um, you know, right. So they only won by 46 instead of 59. Um, but um I'll say this. They, they're not bad. They're always dangerous. They're a team that, like almost everyone on the schedule, you can say hates Texas, loves to beat Texas. They're, they really like fetishize putting horns upside down for some reason. Um, the coach kind of hinted before the season that the team wasn't good. Uh, I, maybe that's a tactic. Um, but he basically the way he talked about his team said like this isn't our year we're rebuilding we're not going to be good covid makes things tougher um, don't give too much expectation to us maybe he's playing possum that's a very west virginia thing to do um you know uh i watched i mentioned on the podcast before logan lucky i have a lot of affinity right now for those dang hillbillies so so maybe maybe i'm giving him credit there but i do think that they're probably not a great team they they have some strengths they have some really good parts that even to flying, i think is quite good um uh, there's their secondary might be good I don't know um, I don't know much about their offense that I've seen yet that's that's excited me or proven that they should be elite right They 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 to me should be significantly worse than Texas Tech um, and we've seen Texas Tech be up and down um, r- right but I'm saying like with a full Bowman Tech they, they are not that And Texas was able to to handle all of that blow and and I I just don't I don't really see them as being in the, the upper echelon they're probably somewhere in that that lower, uh, five to me the lower half of the the big 12
0: i i hate playing west virginia just because i never know like mm-hmm. you never you never know if west virginia is going to be up for the game or if it's going to be one where texas decides to just put the boots to them uh, but again this year texas like any year under tom Herman, was playing up and down to the competition mm-hmm. and so they could again come out and and I do, again, I don't think West Virginia is very... I don't think anybody in the Big 12 is really good this year. I, that's that's going to be my takeaways. I don't think anybody in the conference is actually any good. Yeah. Um, but I don't... I think West Virginia, again, is really... Like, if you look at their season t- statistics, they're all floated because of that 56 nothing win to start the year. Like, if you... If you Normalize and you could do the same thing with Texas. If you normalize based off like remove that first game, they're an exceedingly average team. And I think Texas at this point is exceedingly average because you are what you put on film, right? Sure. So, like, West Virginia is a team that uh, I don't, I I think, again, I don't know. And we'll, we'll fully preview them in a couple, in a month, basically. Uh, But we will, uh, we'll, we'll wait and see. A team that I, I don't have many concerns about.
1: Uh, I'm just saying they they scored 14 points in regulation against Baylor, right? And we just talked about Baylor's probably not great. They're only, you know, win being against Kansas. But they scored 14 points in regulation against Baylor. Like,
0: yeah, and we'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So, a team that I'm confident about playing. A team I'm confident about playing, Kansas. So, (laughs) Kansas... Uh, opened up the season with a 38-23 loss to the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, I believe I said that correctly. Uh, they also then lost uh, 47-14 to in their second game and 47-7 to against Oklahoma State. Um, not a great look for Les Miles. who was brought in to kind of change things up for uh, Kansas. We all thought they should have gone triple option, but they went Les Miles and that decision clearly is paying
1: off for them. Yeah, yeah, right. And we just talked about: Hey, Baylor may not be great, but they they're way better than Kansas. If if we lose to to if Texas loses to Kansas again, you may see a very similar thing where a coach. Um, goes ahead and starts back in his office, right? Like there's, n- there's no world in which that would be acceptable this year. Kansas is, is, is very bad. Les Miles loves to be a little, little cheeky, a little crazy win ones. he shouldn't, um, you know, uh, you never think it's going to be easy. Don't, don't forget last year. It took a Dicker, the kicker last second field goal to, to be Kansas. Um, so again, I, I'm not, counting any game as over. But if we're just looking at the six games ahead of us, this is one that I feel very comfortable putting squarely in the, there's literally no reason in the world that Texas should lose this game.
0: Absolutely no reason at all. So Iowa State, Iowa State, Iowa State, Iowa State. I went into this year confident that Iowa State was going to be Iowa State, and then they Brocktober hit. Now, granted, they lost to the the fight in... uh, Granted, they lost to the fight in Joe Hamilton's in week one, uh, thirty-one to fourteen. Uh, but they beat TCU by a field goal and beat OU by seven in a pretty a pretty solid outing from that offense. Uh, I think Brees Hall is as good as advertised. I think Brock Purdy, when he's on, is good. When he's off, he's absolutely awful. Uh, so it really I think I think that game hinges on which Brock Purdy shows up. And and really, like that to me is is the story of, of that game. It's like which Brock Purdy shows up. Is gonna is gonna determine if Texas could win that one or not.
1: We're gonna talk about our last two games here, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go throwback and give a little Mac Brown and say the, the last two, both of those games scare me to death. You know, that scare me to death. Like I, I could see a Tom Herman team winning the ones they should, getting up for an Oklahoma State game because Tom Herman likes to get up for big games. His teams get up for big games if they're not against you. Um, but I could also see them winning four and losing two, right? Like I could see an Iowa State. Team that, you know, week one, the, the fun belt, the sun belt, it was weird. It was week one. It was post COVID, whatever, whatever. Um, uh, Ooh la la is not a bad team. Or, sorry, the, the, the university formerly known as Louisiana Lafayette, Louisiana Raising Cajuns, they're not a bad team. But to, to lose 31 14 was a bit shocking for the expectations I think some people had. Um, I think you're right that Brees Hall is very, 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 very good. Um, the best player on their team, I think. Uh, but I do think Brock Purdy will probably swing that game if texas can do some things to get him off his game if he does the things to get himself off the game um then then that might be the difference but it's definitely you know i think i didn't list it before the season uh is my my most dangerous uh of games because i feel good about texas against iowa state um even though matt campbell's a great coach um the more I look at the season where we sit now and looking forward. Yeah. It scares me to death.
0: Do you get October Brock or do you get September Brock? I think, I think September Brock is less likely than October Brock, but again, either way, you're going to get one weird Brock Purdy play <laughs> and Texas has to capitalize on that one weird play, uh, which I don't know if they've proven that they can thus far. Finally, the game that really terrifies me, the game that gives me the deep down shivers in my deep downs are the Kansas state wildcats. Now, They are going to be without Skylar Thompson for what looks like the rest of the season due to a upper body injury. But Chris Kleiman is a heck of a football coach. Mm -hmm. Go ahead and put that out there right now. It's it's shocking what happens when you hire a guy who's won multiple national championships. Just shocking what can happen when you hire a coach with a national championship pedigree. Um, But they beat Texas Tech with the aforementioned backup quarterback, They beat OU thirty-eight to thirty-five, and they had that weird fun belt opener where they lost to Arkansas (laughs) State. So uh, that OU game was an impressive outing from the Kansas State offense and defense, really, because they forced they 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 took advantage of all the mistakes that they Mm -hmm. forced Spencer Rattler into. Um, And then Texas Tech. So this was that was a that was a battle of the backups. And I honestly, and this is this. You know, if the Kansas State folks are listening to this, I'm sorry, but I don't know if they win that game, if Alan Bowman is there. I think Col- right. Columbia – Columbia's a good quarterback. Uh, Columbia played really well, but I think that team just looks different with with, with Bowman than it does Columbia. Um, maybe that's, you know, whatever. I, I, I had a toddler screaming at me for a good portion of that game, so it's all, all possible <laughs> I read it wrong. But um, that one, I just – again, Kansas State, last game of the season, with potentially – te- if Texas can – can shock the world and win a couple of games. There could be a lot riding on this one.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a weird season in which we, we texted before the Red River game and said no matter the outcome of this, there's a good chance that neither of these teams could be playing for a big 12 title, like whoever won that wasn't guaranteed to be in, whoever lost it, you know, dampened their chances. If OU would have lost three to start, they almost disqualified themselves, but it's going to be weird. TCU could get in there. Kansas state looks good. Iowa state's looking good. Now, obviously Oklahoma state right now is the undefeated guys are the front runner, but, um, it's wide open. This is a weird year, and the Big Twelve is perfectly suited for the weirdness. Um, obviously, Kansas State scares me to death. I hate Kansas State. That's documented. I think I say that on at least one third of all of our podcasts. I just hate Kansas State. I'm so tired of losing to Kansas State at any point. Like I said, the I've gave given our stats against purple people stats. The fact that we're five and five in the last ten years, um, and that's bolstered by by Herman actually having a pretty. Yeah, he, he has a better grasp of of the purple magic than, than either of his predecessors uh, did. But I mean, it's it, it, so Kleiman has, has was, was the perfect tire like for them. Incredible, unbelievable, perfect tire. You had a guy in Bill Snyder who took the worst program in the history of football and turned it around into a thing, a thing, a, a place of, of mysticism that could compete for big 12. And potentially even there were years, this is true. Look at the history books, national championship implications, Build building Heisman's out of ridiculous things called Colin Klein. I mean, it, it's it's um it, it was truly a magical performance, right? He created something here, and no one should have been able to replicate that. Instead, they go and get a guy who was able to build a powerhouse with you know slightly discarded parts um in, in North Dakota and, and and build something really incredible. Um and and they have probably the the best defense right now. I mean, the purple teams play defense in this conference. It's between TCU on if they're on their, their, their day of defense or Kansas state is the best defensive teams, right? It's, it's always a matter for Kansas state of what their offense can be. So I think that Skylar Thompson injury is going to be a big deal. I really do. But can they just, you know, Pee in the punch uh, of any team. And, and if UT, like you said, really gets it rolling, would they love to do that? Sure. So this game truly scares me. And especially if we get through the Iowa State game unfazed, I almost feel like when, then we have to lose this based on the, the law of averages and, and how this season isn't a particularly rosy one. And I'm tired of being a sunshine pumper.
0: I, I have zero sense of certainty about this game. And, again, there's a lot that could happen between now and December, right? Uh, there's a yes. lot that can change. There's a lot that could shake out. But as it stands right now, this one scares me even with the backup quarterback.
1: Yeah. And, and look, Gerald, are, do you want to do predictions with these six? Is that your intention or are we just doing a, doing a preview? Because if you want to predict, I can, I can throw something together here. Rock the prediction, Kyle. Let's see it. Here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to put this into tiers, right? Games that we should win. I feel pretty confident that we should win. I'm going to put Kansas in there. I'm going to put West Virginia, I think, in there. Games that I'm unsure about, but I feel pretty good. I'm putting just Baylor. Maybe I'll put West Virginia Baylor in that tier. Three games that could go either way, and if we win one out of the three, probably par for the course as everything else iowa state kansas state uh in okie state like i said i see a very likely scenario that texas beats baylor in their next game gets up for an oklahoma state game because tom herman knows how to get up for a big game um especially if oklahoma state beats ou right in. In i think bedlam's the week before um which would be rare for them and would be a big deal i could see tom herman really wanting to just get the team locked in all chips all in he's good at that and then i could see us losing the last two I could see us going four into the rest of the season, which would you know put us at a disappointing uh, four losses on the season. Um, but I could very realistically see that in, in losing both the last two in a really silly, stupid kind of game. I could also see us losing one of the last two and losing Oklahoma State, but it feels like one to two losses is, is, is my range, and I'm going to go pessimistic and say I, I feel like there's two out of these next six for us. Uh,
0: So I, I think I like your stratifications. I think – Uh, the, the teams that I would put beatable, I think Baylor, Kansas, and I'm going to go and throw West Virginia in there. That feels like, that feels like three wins to me. So you're at five, right? Um, and I think they probably go, you know, I think they, they might go to, they might, they're probably going to win a couple games that they shouldn't, which I think is probably likely Iowa state and Kansas state. And I think Oklahoma state continues to own Texas. So I think I'm right with you on like the, on like the six and four, Six and four ish range, Kyle. I think there's probably there's 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 a couple wins on there, but I'm not con. I I would put if I had to put a confidence rating on this, I'd put a three out of ten, yeah. right? But like I think I think I unfortunately I think they go six and four, and and you know we can talk later about what what that means for the coaching situation. But um, I'm not super confident as the season closes out.
1: Let's put a pin in that. Let's look at the greater Longhorn landscape of the players who've graduated from UT, gone on to the NFL, and are applying their trade there. We're not looking specifically at their Twitter or tweets at current players. We are, however, looking at their stats uh, during this week. A couple of the regular hitters, guys who are just consistently um, playing well this week showed up, or this year uh, showed up, and and, um, not a ton of surprises, but we will run through it. Uh, Jordan Hicks. Uh, for the Cardinals continues to be very good uh, at tackling the football. He had nine tackles, eight solo, and a big win over the uh, the New York Jets. And Gerald, I think there was a play in particular that involved someone not Jordan Hicks uh, on that Cardinals game that you you, you were pleased by.
0: Uh, yeah, Kyler Murray looked like a doofus when he tried to like <laughs> chest bump an offensive lineman and it ended up falling over. It's very very entertaining to me.
1: I'll just say this. I'm very surprised that Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray are both being successful at the NFL level. I just didn't really think that that worked out well for him, but uh, you know, kudos makes me feel maybe a little bit better about things that happened in the college ranks. Who knows? Um, a, a story that I am excited about. Colin Johnson had his first career career touchdown against the houston texans this week Guy got back in the state of texas did what he does made a diving catch in the end zone for a touchdown um catching a wildly mustachio mulleted gardner Minshew kind of knuckleball which i feel like some of the texas quarterback play of the of of collins career set him up perfectly to be able to catch some loopy duck passes
0: there's going to be some vindication for some guys in the nfl there's been some vindication all over but i definitely think uh there's vindication for some guys in the nfl
1: I like it. I like it. Uh, so Ravens, our team, we like to watch some longhorns there. Devin DuVernay had two catches for 17 yards. Uh, look at Harbaugh. Getting him involved. Two whole catches. Um, more than his one every week he's had. Um, and also, he had a 42-yard reverse that showed some pop, some zip, some speed. Uh, only the the out-of-bounds and the angle was able to stop him from getting a touchdown. He looked good. Looked, uh, looked very, very fast. Uh, people who maybe weren't as familiar with Watching him every week and just saw a couple things in the tape, maybe didn't realize that he is, in fact, one of the fastest players in the NFL, bar none. He's very, very elite. Speed, Justin Tucker, two for three with a long of 46. Always weird to see him miss one, but, you know, still pretty good day. Deshaun Elliott, soon-to-be Charlie Strong's son-in-law. Remember that when you look at his Twitter. Five tackles, one sack, and two tackles for a loss. Big uh, big performance for the Joker, there would you like what would what, you like out of your three longhorns on the ravens what's your favorite performance
0: uh i mean it's got to be Duve. i think that 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 reverse i think a lot of people like are realizing like oh Devin duvernay's really fast i've been telling you that for three years like <laughs> dude is fast like stop stop ignoring what people are ta- like i know texas has not been like the top tier nfl talent producing place but like i mean duvernay duvernay's got some wheels
1: I saw someone tweet and say, uh, you know, he's he's your – this year's steal of the draft. How did this guy get drafted so low? Because he, he played at Texas in an era when Texas players have been undervalued and had more success at the pros um, than they were drafted for, and we'll talk about a couple of those guys. Um, one player I'm excited to see getting some rep this year. He's, he's had a couple good games here back – to back Marcus Johnson for the Colts three catches for 53 yards Chiefs Alec Okafor had two tackles in their first loss of the season Brandon Jones also down a bit from his early season tackling hot streak two tackles for the Dolphins Joe what do you think your Dolphins uh, quick, quick assessment of where they sit
0: they're still not great but at <laughs> least they won a game
1: yeah, it is. I like to hear it. Uh, Alton Hill and, and Chris Boyd both inactive for the Vikings. Malcolm Brown, eight carries for 30 yards with the Rams. Did also have a catch but for negative six, but all right. You know, he's still still getting involved in that offense there. Uh, Pat's run a bye week this week. No Adrian Phillips news. Sean Ridgeway keeps steady. One tackle each week. No sack, but, but one tackle this week for the Eagles. Uh, kind of getting the Duvernay, at least one tackle every week. Um, and then there are Seahawks, Gerald. I, I like uh, – I always like to, to end here because – we got a lot of good ones to talk about. I think there's an MVP candidate on this Seahawks team. Right? I think a, a man who who, you know, can can boom the ball uh down the field. You think I'm talking Russell Wilson I'm talking Mike Dixon baby. Um five punts, four of five inside the 20, uh 226 yards long of 60 just looked like Texas Bowl Mike Dixon um 14 of his 22 this season have pinned inside their 20. I think something like uh, out of his last uh, 14 or 13 punts, like 11 of them have been inside the 10 as well or something like that. 10 out of 13 uh, inside the 10. So just he's on fire right now. He's locked in. Um, also, Gerald, did you see Dixon's pregame fit that he entered with? I did not. Oh, my gosh. If, if we would have been smart – we would have partnered with him and with last stand hats and got these licensed. Um, but, uh, he was wearing a, a big Dixon energy hat, which is just kudos for leaning in. Um, I loved it. There was also some defensive players on that team. Quandre Diggs putting in some work, seven tackles, uh, and the secondary and Puna consistent as always two tackles in the middle of that defense for our Seahawks. Gerald, what'd you think overall? Any assessment for the NFL?
0: Um, it continues to not be as fun to watch as the NCAA, but that's just my own personal assessment and the I only NCAA. pay attention because I'm in fantasy football leagues.
1: Fair enough. The NCAA when Texas is good, just imagine that world, right? When, uh, we, we said that and we meant it because we had fun on Saturdays. All right, let's move it out of there. I don't have any other burn orange lenses, but we will move to the section called, uh, Godzilla, where the screen formerly known as Godzilla, showed some giant Texas highlights at times, uh, on the giant screen. Gerald, what are you watching on your screen?
0: Uh, so I didn't have a ton of time to watch stuff this week. It was just very, it was just one of those weird busy weeks and Fair. the three year old had a very three year old week. So we didn't really get a ton. Um, but I finished my audiobook real, real good. I enjoyed it. Uh, had a very good time actually was quite moving in some spots. Um, the, the way that the, the way that the author plays religious themes as a non-religious person was really impressive to me and the religious themes in that. Uh, that that book we're, we're showing through in a couple spots. I really appreciated it. Uh, and then my son loves music. My son is my son absolutely loves music. Loves to sing. Loves to dance. Like it's the cutest thing in the world. A three year old uh, loves to do that. And so the trolls movies are like his jam. <laughs> and he loved the first trolls movie because it's just all music, right? Um, and so trolls world tour, the sequel, uh, hit the Hulu streaming. And so we watched it together. It's kind of like a little, little afternoon treat for him. And it is not a, it's not a great movie by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, But there are a couple of things in there that were like, that is really, really clever. So basically the whole, the whole point of the movie is about how diversity makes us better. Uh, We're like, it's like, Hey, we've got all these diverse tastes and diverse interests and diverse looks about us. And like we should stop trying to struggle against that and embrace it. And it'll make us better as people. And I was like, "That's an incredible message, uh, for kids." And then there was also a little spot where uh, there's a, there's a rapper named Anderson Pocket. If you've never heard of him, he's he's really really good rapper, uh, great rapper. You should check him out. But he he's one of the voice actors in this movie, pretty and cool. he does it, He does a rap. Um, he's <laughs> he's also. Um, Ron Funt—he plays Ron Funchess's, uh twin brother. Spoilers for Troll- *Trolls World Tour*: uh, Is that he plays Ron Funchess's, uh twin brother? But he does a rap about like he kind of does like he does an exposition dump rap, and a big chunk of it is about cultural appropriation in pop music. And I'm like, this is like really heavy. For a kid's movie, I'm like, he's talking about how they, like, sample old artists of other races and don't credit them at all. And that's really, like, it's a deep thing to put in a kid's movie. But I was like, well, it's Anderson Pox, So if you give him a rap to write, he's probably going to put something in there. But um, it's a fun movie for the kids. It's it's fun. It moves fast. It's a family film. I don't know what else you need from it.
1: I love it, Jared. I like coming here for your your dad corner. Um, I actually took my niece and nephew to the first Trolls, and kids got up and danced and sang, and it was it was amazing um, in the theaters. So I haven't seen any of the follow up, but I, I do um, know that for for my niece's fifth birthday, I believe um, she got a Trolls like uh, karaoke type machine that plays the song and she sings along to, and she uh, loves that thing. Um, so. Here's what I'll say. Um, I've watched a couple things. I started two shows, one of which we talked about already on here. Um, It it was, uh, I think, your recommendation. I said I'd watch New Girl, finish that. Um, So we started a new comedy, just kind of let it roll. um, And uh, we started Happy Endings. And I'm only like two episodes in, something like that, so I don't have a lot of feeling for it. But I just wanted to let you and the listeners know where I'm at with my head. I'll have more kind of solidified thoughts about it shortly once I get into a bit, but I just want to let you know that joke. Cause I know you recommended it. You actually, I believe your take was happy endings over new girl. Is that right?
0: I, I wouldn't say over new girl. I just, okay. I think happy, happy endings is one of the more underrated comedies of the last okay. probably 10 years.
1: Okay. Well, I'm, I'm happy. I know you've recommended it to me for years. And so I'm excited to get in there. I love the cast. Actually. I didn't realize the uh, man, I'm, I'm blanking out his name, but the guy from Mindy project um, who, uh, who plays basically like the, the, the gay, uh, roommate character. Um, I can't think of his name, that actor, Adam Pally, something like that. Yeah, Adam is, Pally is amazing. I love him. Everything he's in is, is fantastic. Um, and so obviously, you know, you have a wayans, you have him, you have, uh, Denise from scrubs, who was the, like one of the few redeeming parts of, of the last season of scrubs. Um, so there's a lot of faces that I recognize that I'm excited about, but I also started Peaky Blinders, which I know, I don't remember if you watched, I know your, your other podcast host, Raymond loves that show. I think it's his favorite show. Um, uh, my wife was actually the one who was excited about this. I think she heard Tom Hardy uh, was in it. But uh, either way, we've watched about four episodes of that, and I'm loving it. I'm loving like the uh, turn of the century, like after World War One, as it starts, uh, Birmingham, England, uh, Street Street mob, which I'm finding out is, is, is a bit of a Romani gypsy, uh, English street mob, a lot of layers. Um, but I mean, it just good cast. The, the, it's beautiful. The sets, the, the look, the feel of it. I think I'm going to like this a lot. The accents are crazy. Got to watch it with subtitles, but, uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm actually really excited about starting this been meaning to do it for years.
0: Peaky blinders is a good one. My, my, my wife petered out on it a little bit just because it's kind of intense and she's like – she she deals with enough anxiety on in, in life. And so she's like, mm. I, I want to bet. But uh, I will I will go to the mat for happy endings. I'll tell you like the the first couple of episodes take a little bit to build. But when they – it's just a thing that all sitcoms do where it takes a couple of episodes for them to figure out what they want each character's voice mm. to be. But then when they do – it sings, man. It's so, so good. Um, I mean, D- Damon Wayans and, and Eliza Coop is the the actress's name you're thinking of that was from uh, Scrubs Season 9 that doesn't exist. Those two mm. absolutely steal a lot of the episodes they're in. Adam Pally continues to just be hilarious. Um, and I absolutely love, love, love that show. Um, that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, working with going folks finding the internet
1: oh you can follow me on twitter at kyle carbon you can also follow the texas pregamer at texas pregamer
0: you can follow me on twitter at gh show on twitter at longhorn pod shoot us an email longhorn republic pod at gmail.com you can check us out on facebook as well the longhorn republic will do a live stream next week following potentially maybe i don't know if we will the baylor game if that one happens uh but we'll be there regardless the next time texas has a football game thank you so much for tuning in again this week and until next time hook them
1: hook em.